there, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Hello. There okay, we awesome. <laughs> Yes. Well, um, just to give you all a funny story, Blake was telling us yesterday that he and Becca were telling Thomas a little bit about, like, what they hope for in a wife one day for him if that were to happen to him. And, they were, and he stopped and looked at them and said, is Kara married? <laughs> and they were like, yes. <laughs> Sorry, Caleb. <laughs> Sorry, Caleb. Okay, so we're just so glad that you are here. This is a very different night. We're definitely breaking the mold. Um, we're not doing our normal sermon like we would normally do where Blake gives us the word. We're going to have a Q&A about dating. So you have reached us right in the middle of our awkward, it's not, series um, about relationships. So last week we did um, singleness and how it is not second rate and it is awesome and it is a gift. Today we are doing a Q&A about dating and then next week we'll be in spring break and then the following week we will be um, doing marriage. So this is going to be a very chill night. I'm going to be um, sh- streaming some questions. I'm going to be screaming some questions. I've already been told that um, some questions will be dicey, so I probably won't read those. Um, I'm going to be screening some questions over here, but while I start looking through some of these, um, Blake and Becca, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, a little bit about our story. Um, we met we were a camp romance. So summer camp, we met, yeah, some of our campers, yeah, right here. So we met working student life camp after our first years in college. Uh, so we were with student life. We traveled around Texas, Florida, Alabama, spent a bunch of time at Shaco over in Talladega. And that's right. And as we were over there, uh, and as we were going through, we were just kind of a camp romance that, um, you know, Becca, she will deny this, but there were five other guys on the team that liked her. Inaccurate. And they all, I was just like, I'm going to let them all act the fool and swoop in right at the end. And so that's what happened. And so they all made fools of themselves, and I just played the long game. And so as we were going through, towards the end of that summer, we decided that we wanted to start a relationship. And we were going to be long distance. I was in Tuscaloosa. She was in Clemson. And so, yeah, that was fun. Uh, Going through, we were long distance our whole dating relationship. And so we dated for 10 months, we got engaged, then we were engaged for 10 months and got married. And so it was, um, yeah, that was, the first time that we lived in the same city was when we were married. And uh, so it's one of those things, if you have questions about long distance dating, I know we got some folks in long distance relationships. That's something that we especially like being able to talk with couples through. What, what would you add about our story, Beck? Um. I would say that um, even though it was long distance, like, um, I feel like we still did a really good job of being uh, really intentional about, like, going to visit each other, especially, I mean, Blake, I don't even know how many miles you put on your little Honda Civic. Um, He actually, like, I think he saved all of his gas receipts in the little um, middle compartment in his car, and I mean, by the time we got married, I think he, like, opened it and they all just, like, flooded out. Um, but yeah, we, um, I think we saw each other maybe roughly once every like three weeks or so. So, um, 
it was long distance, but Blake was great about visiting and getting to see each other's friends and everything. So, but we'll talk more about that when we get to the other questions, I'm sure. Yes, we have a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of overwhelmed. Right, well, we want to um, hit as many as we possibly um, can, so let's crank them out. Okay. Um, so one thing I want to say is I'm going to try to make it through all of them. That's the goal of tonight. That is why tonight is going to be a longer set rather than just our short sermon. But um, I cannot possibly ask every single one of these questions. Um, so I'm going to try to group together like questions. So if I don't ask your question just how it's written, I'm, I tried my best. Okay, so first we're going to talk about, um, or I'm going to ask you guys, is it okay for the girl to make the first move? Mm. Okay. That's a great question. Can I give a couple of caveats? Okay, before, and, and this will help to set the stage for a lot of these questions. What we're looking at when we're talking about dating, um, this is your tweetable moment for the night, okay? Uh, dating is unbiblical, okay? But, but, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it, okay? And so the pastor says it's unbiblical, do it anyway, what the heretic? Uh, it is, that's not what we're saying. Dating is unbiblical in the same way that wristwatches are unbiblical, okay? That the Bible doesn't speak directly to them or about them. So it's not fair to say, well, it's unbiblical. We need to be asking the question, is it anti-biblical? And the answer to that is no. And so for us, as we're going through, does this Bible speak to dating by that name? It does not. Okay, there, there is not that category between being single and being married. It's this weird pseudo-covenantal state of dating. No, it doesn't exist. But for us in our culture, it is a process that we use to be able to evaluate the other person, okay? And so Beck and I, we've both learned a lot from Ben Stewart, Single Dating, Engaged, Married. Some of y'all have had that book. We have it. I don't know that we have any more over there, uh, but I mean, it's just incredibly helpful. One copy, okay. Mad Dash at the end, Cornucopia and Hunger Games. And so it's one of the things that we're going to be talking. Ben Stewart says is that if we could create a buzzword for you, when you think about dating, the first word to come to your mind, we would want it to be evaluation. That what is the purpose of dating? It's evaluation. It's being able to see, is this the person that I could spend the rest of my life with in a committed covenant relationship? Okay? And so when you're going through and when you have that, when you're considering a lot of these things, and you're like, well, how do I view this biblically? You have to ask, well, does the Bible speak directly to it? Yes or no? If the answer is no, and if it's a moral issue, Yes or no? Dating is not in the Bible. It's not a moral issue. And so it's what we would categorize as a wisdom issue. So we've got to pray. We've got to seek the Lord for wisdom. And we can go to his word and we can see things that will indirectly shape us into wise people and how we can date people well. In a similar way that the Bible does not speak about the process by which you choose a grad school. Right? Or that first job out of college. But the Bible can give you wisdom on how to be able to walk through those things. So with that kind of caveat to the specific question of, can a girl ask a guy out on a date? I'm going to kick it to Becca. 
Thanks for that preamble. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, as a girl, you are evaluating if this guy could potentially um, lead a household well. Um, and so you're looking to see, you know, biblically speaking, the man is the spiritual head of the household. And so you want to see um, that this guy can lead well, that he can take initiation, that he is courageous enough and secure enough in himself and his identity in Christ to face the risk of rejection um, by asking you out on a date. And so I think, you know, ideally you would want the guy to ask you out on a date. It's a good indicator for how things will look later on down the road. Um, so that being said, though, I feel like I need to, because I've had so many conversations with girls that go like this, like, they're talking with a guy, um, and really, their friendship looks a lot more like boyfriend-girlfriend than a friendship. Like, mm. he's texting her constantly. They're hanging out. Um, they <laughs> uh, even, you know, may even hang out, like, one-on-one -on -one a good bit. And it's very boyfriend-girlfriend-ish, and it's very reasonable that she is confused. <laughs> um, and she thinks, you know, like, we're interacting in this way. I know that I'm attracted to him, but he's not initiating any sort of, like, define the relationship. He's not asking me out on a date. Like, do I just sit here and hang around and continue to get more emotionally attached? We're going to like, yeah, we're, we're yeah. <laughs> yeah, about to get on the soapbox. Um, and I would say if that's happening to you, um, that it is okay for you for your own health, for your own sake of guarding your heart, to step towards a conversation with him and say, hey, like, we text this often, we hang out this often, I just need to tell you, like, I'm starting to see you as more than just a friend, I feel like we interact differently than just normal friends do, and so I'm going to need you to, like, clarify how you see us, um, and so hopefully that'll spur him to be like, actually, I do like you, can we go on a date? <laughs> Um, or he may say, I am so sorry, I did not mean to communicate that, that's not how I see you, in which case you would need to continue that conversation and say, well, I'm going to need us to set some firmer boundaries, like we need to take a step back, because we are not acting like friends act. Um, yeah, so I do think it's okay for girls to initiate that conversation. Awesome. I hope you're writing this down, my goodness. That's that a great question. Good. I mean, that was a great answer. Yeah. Okay. Is there something wrong? So this is, I'm going to ask like a two-pointed question because I'm trying to group as many together as possible. So like part A is how to know I'm ready for a relationship. And then part B is, is there something wrong with desiring to be in a relationship even though I am single? I think it's probably good to kind of think about like when you're looking at potential candidates to date and you're thinking like, is this person dateable? Should I date them? The kind of list that you make in your head, like, is it clear that they know the Lord? Like, if I start having a spiritual conversation with them, do they shut down? And is it really awkward? And, like, clearly there's actually nothing there. Um, or can they talk about it? Is it vibrant? Um, can you see that they're in the Word? Are they in their church? Are they serving? That kind of list that you make in your mind when you're trying to evaluate, should I date this person? Turn it around and, like, apply it to yourself. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, so I would just kind of go through and do a self-evaluation, essentially. Um, am I 
am I active in my church? Have I committed? Am I serving? Am I in the word? Am I in prayer? Do I have an actual relationship with the Lord? Um, and if you can kind of go through that self-evaluation and pass, then you're ready. <laughs> All in favor of Becca preaching next week. <laughs> Man. No. Yeah. I, think, I think, Cole, for you, if you're asking, am I ready to date? Can you articulate the end goal of dating? It, define that. What, what is the goal of dating? I would say that the goal of dating is evaluation, like we already said. If it's just to have fun, right, uh, if, that's recreational dating. Uh, if it's to try to find out the kind of person that I want to be with, that's consumeristic dating. Like it, you, you are consuming the other person, trying to figure out something else rather than giving of yourself to be able to love and serve the other person. But for you to be able to say, like, it's evaluating, is this the person that I could marry? And so when you can clearly articulate that goal, but then also, I, I think that a lot of times we can hyper-individualize romantic relationships. Y'all ever had that, those friends that became a couple and they go off in a little love cocoon, right? And you don't see them for like three months. And you're like, gosh, I wish like I had my friends back, you know? I mean, you're praying for them to break up. You know, it's kind of one of those things. <laughs> You've been there. And so we're going through, you're just like, that we think it's so isolation, like such isolating. But if we were to humbly ask the community that we're a part of, that is seeking to follow Jesus and that has our best interests at heart, could you humble yourself and ask other people in your friend group, hey, do you think I'm ready to date? And this is a big one, and some of you aren't going to like it. It's talking to your parents. It's asking your mom and your dad. And I'm just saying this. If Now, I realize everybody has differing levels of connectivity and like history with their parents. But if you were to humble yourself and to go to your mom or dad and say, hey, mom or dad, like, y'all have known me literally longer than anybody else. And uh, I know I'm in college. I'm in young adulthood. I am... Uh, becoming kind of probably a different person maybe than when I was under your roof. But this is something that I'm considering. This is something that I would love to pursue. And I would just love for you to be able to speak into that. I think that's a way for us to actually be able to practice following in the Ten Commandments of honoring your father and your mother. Like, and just being able to ask them to speak into how they see. And maybe... Not just giving you the rubber stamp, but being like, hey, what are some things that I might need to be cautious of as I seek to be in a relationship in general or specifically with this person? Uh, so I think those are, so you don't have to decide that yourself. You, you can be reliant in a healthy way, I think, on other people. And then what was the second part of your question, Cole? So if the Lord is still speaking, you're pursuing Yeah. But you still really want to date somebody. Is that wrong? No, it's not. Um, I, I would say don't try to shortcut the season that you're in, the season of singleness that you're in. Because some people so want to be married that they will lower their standards so that they can achieve the status regardless of the person. And so I... I really resonate with something that Ben Stewart has said, that you do not 
it is much better to have the right person in your wrong timing than to have the wrong person in your right timing. And so don't try to reach and to grab and to hold on to and think, and y'all, it's one of those things. Maybe, maybe you've desired to be in a dating relationship and it just was not working. Nothing seemed to be like the people that you liked didn't like you or the people that you didn't like liked you and it just didn't ever seem to be lining up. And finally, it finally lined up, but it doesn't seem like that, man, it's just really not resonating. Like that they don't they don't love the Lord. <laughs> like we disagree on some pretty fundamental things, but they're they're asking me to do maybe things that I wouldn't be comfortable doing. And so, well, I, I don't know if anything else better is going to come along. Nothing had before. What makes me think it will later? That's that's a lack of trust in a good and providential God. And so for if we truly believe that He is God, that He is good, and that He will provide for us, and that singleness is not something to be fixed or something to be easily ran away from, then we can trust in his timing. And so I would say that it's not wrong to desire to be in a relationship. I would say it's wrong to try to hastily fulfill that desire. Okay, so if we are pursuing a relationship with a Christ follower, we're, we're both followers of Jesus, and that is good, and we're in a relationship, what should those spiritual boundaries look like? Well, did they ask that question or did you rephrase it? Praise God, that's great. Um, Kudos, whoever wrote that. Yeah, because one of the things that a lot of times uh, people will ask is, how far is too far? Right? That's the next question. Oh, cool. Well, there we go. (laughs) And a lot of times we think how far is too far and like the conversation immediately goes to boundaries and we always go immediately to the physical. But the thing about it is the Lord has made us whole people and we connect with others on a number of levels, right? And so you can connect with another person physically. You can connect with another person emotionally. You can connect with another person spiritually. And so I I love the fact that this person asked this question because they're cognizant. Okay, well, this is one of the ways that we connect with other people. And so there should be boundaries. And the reason, well, boundaries. Do we need the boundaries? Why do we need the boundaries? For us, we need to heed the admonition of Song of Solomon that we do not need to awaken love before its proper time. And for us, like as we're going through and when we seek to have these boundaries, it's because God has created us to flourish within these boundaries. And so I think it's, the way that the Lord has designed, not just the boundaries, but designed relationships, specifically marriage relationships, it's because a husband and a wife physically, emotionally, and spiritually connect on all those levels, and it can lead to an upbuilding, kind of upward spiral of like, praise God. But then, if you are seeking to connect with someone to the nth degree, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, outside of that committed covenant relationship, it will lead to a downward spiral that will bring you to a place that you would have never intended to have gone. And so to be able to have those boundaries physically, emotionally, and spiritually is really important. Um, and so I think, you know, it's, everybody wants to know how far is too far spiritually. I, to, I mean, if 
we talk about the next one. We'll get there. But spiritually speaking, what I would say, and I think Becca might have something to be able to balance what I'm about to say out, but going through, specifically from the guy's perspective, I know we have a lot of like super solid guys here, and they want to be able to honor the Lord, and they want to be able to uh, give the girls something to evaluate, right, and how they would be able to lead someday. You are not the spiritual leader of your dating relationship. You do not need to lead her in a Bible study. Like I've talked with guys before that have tried to find a curriculum to lead their girlfriend through. Yeah, you can chuckle. Okay, it's, it's, one, it's one of those well-intentioned kind of things. But I'm like, it, it, is, it is not your place at that point to be able to lead. Um, and I, I would say that uh, another spiritual kind of bridging into emotional boundary is that you do not need to be each other's accountability partner. You don't need to be the one that each of you confess sin to. That if you're a guy, you need to have those solid brothers in Christ. If you're a gal, you need to have those solid girls in Christ that you can confess sin to one another and pray for one another. The book of James says that you might be healed, not forgiven. That's Christ is accomplished out on the cross. It is finished but for healing. And so for us, uh, I think that some good spiritual boundaries would be like, you don't need to try to go super fast in leading each other in a Bible study. Does that mean that you can never read, like talk about what the Lord has been teaching you? Absolutely not. Like, please do that. Like, if the Lord is the most important, we talk about the things that are important to us and pray. I would pray that the Lord is important to you, all important. And so it's only natural to talk about those things. That doesn't mean that you can't ever pray for the other person or pray together with the other person. But just to be aware and figure out, am I trying to lead this person spiritually? And then trying to figure out, man, am, I trying, am I being overly reliant on them to confess sin? Um, along with that, I would just say, and talking about spiritual boundaries and, and just being careful with that, I think, Sometimes girls can tend to just shy away from spiritual conversations altogether for fear of crossing the boundary. Um, but for girls, it is it's so important to be able to evaluate the competency of spiritual leadership and the guy. And so I don't want, I don't think it's good to shy away from them completely either. Like um, Blake and I went through a series of questions that are, were written by John Piper. There were like questions to ask before you get engaged. If you want that article, I can probably still find it. I can send it to you. You can text one of us afterwards. But it had like all these different categories like theology, family, financial questions. And um, essentially, we just went through all the questions and shared our beliefs to see if we were on the same page. And so I'm so glad that we did the theology section. Um, so it got us talking about deeper theological issues, and um, it was kind of tricky for a little while because I was raised Presbyterian, um, and I think I was always secretly a Baptist at heart, <laughs> but uh, Blake was raised a little bit of everything, but pretty much Baptist. Spiritual mutt, yeah. Um, yeah. And we got to the question of baptism, though, and I was like, well, I mean, my family's going to assume that we're going to do infant baptism, and Blake's like, I don't agree with that, um, and so... We, it was, it was kind of tempting, like, okay, where's our boundary here? Like, I, I think I actually do personally agree with Blake, but, like, am I letting him 
like sway me? Is that, am I crossing the boundary here? And so I feel like Blake handled it very well, though. He was very, he was very like, you need to go do your own research here. And so I remember we took like a break from the questions for several weeks so that I could just do my own personal like study and research and ask my questions and figure out what I really thought. And it ended up being what I always thought I thought, which is... And she got baptized. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Um, So anyway, all that to say, like, you do need to see if the guy is capable of leading your family spiritually one day and make sure you're on the same page theologically because it will affect things in the long run. Okay, so physically, how far is too far? And um, yeah, I think I'm going to ask some more specific questions if you don't hit them. So let's just see what you have to say for that. I would say with this question, a lot of people want to know the line so that they can cozy right up next to the line. And so I would say people have used the illustration before, kind of like with a limousine driver doing a test for certification, that there was an X number of limousine drivers and they were up in a parking lot and they had these cones set out in this track and they said, you have to be able to make it through this track without hitting a cone. And that a lot of them in in an effort to demonstrate their skill were trying to cut it as close as possible to the cones without being able to knock them over. But then one of them, one of the drivers goes through and just drives normally. And it's like, they both at the end like got through. And so, but just that one unnecessarily took risks to try to be able to get as close as they possibly could to the cones. And maybe y'all through experience, if you've been in a romantic relationship where you've struggled with physical boundaries, that you know this pattern. I draw this line, we cozy up next to it. We maybe stay there for a little while. We step a toe over the line oh, that's not that bad, then we redraw the line a little bit further out. And then we step over, and then we cozy up to that line, redraw, step over. And then that's how you end up incrementally at a place that you never intended to go. And so what I would encourage you to do is for you to be able to, like, re-see this, that if your boyfriend or girlfriend is not your husband or your wife, they are your brother or sister in Christ and treat them accordingly. And so like for one of those things, like as we're going through and you, yes, we have these designations, we have these statuses, right? But until you say I do at the altar, like you are single. And so what I'm encouraging people to do, and, like, and we have people, and you can think, we're not going to stand up here and be like, yes, you can make out. No, you can't. Like, that's not what we're going to do, all right? But what we will say is that because we have friends that were like, the first time that we kissed each other was on our wedding day. That was not us. But going through it, like moving right along, like as we were going through, <laughs> then we have some people that like, oh, yeah, it's A-OK, you know, this, that, or the other. I would encourage you, to know yourself and to know the other person, okay? And I will tell you this, just as kind of a general principle. It is very difficult once you have reached a certain level with a person to not go to that level again. So again, returning to Song of Solomon, do not awaken love before its proper time. And in the moment, it will be difficult, it will be hard, but it will be worth it. One of the greatest gifts I feel like we can give you guys here tonight is the gift of perspective. And so it's hard to be able to hear in the middle of, if you're in a romantic relationship, to be like, gosh, well, I, 
I can't do this, that, or the other, and that's only for married people? Yes. But it is one of those things. It, that longing, that tension that it will create is meant to drive you towards commitment. <laughs> and it's meant to drive you towards covenant. It's meant to drive you towards marriage. Um, I think, you know, it's part of it is the elongation of the dating process. And, you know, again, I'm not going to put up, stand up here and try to put a law on you, can, you should date this long or you can't date that long or whatever. Every couple is different. Every situation is different. But I will say that if you unnecessarily elongate the dating and evaluation period, it is just creating more, more track for you to get off of. And so I would just encourage people to, uh, to not go there uh, and for people to be able to use that tension that it creates to drive them towards commitment. Moving right along, um, in our 21st century world, we hear this phrase a lot, and I feel like it's a lot of people just become numb to it, or people think it's always been part of the, the dating arrangement, is the dreaded, we're talking. We're just talking, uh-huh. or they're talking. Uh-huh. Um, can you speak to that, or the concept of that, helping someone through, thinking through, what, what does that even mean? Or h- how is that a right way to look at dating? Mm. Okay. Um. I think that if the talking phase is too long, uh, you're just, this is obvious, you're going to get frustrated. Um, I really think it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier, um, and this is really speaking to the girls, like, um, you need to have clarity. Like, with every day that you let go by, that you are continually texting this guy, hanging out with this guy, thinking about oh, what would happen if I got married to this guy? Like, you're getting more and more emotionally attached, and your guard is getting let down, and it's just going to be more difficult if you end up having a conversation where you find out that the talking that you thought was going to lead to a date was actually him just, I don't know, leading you on, thinking he was being a good friend, mm. whatever. Um, so I think that as the girl, I would not let that go on very long. <laughs> Um, maybe a couple of weeks, and if he doesn't say anything, you need to step to a conversation, and you need to explain to him what an actual friendship looks like (laughs) and set some boundaries. (laughs) I think a lot of the talking can be uh, rooted in fear um, of rejection, primarily. Uh, I, I think that one of the words that Becca used is crucial, that one of the greatest gifts that I'm talking to the guys now, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to the young women that you would hope to ask out on a date is the gift of clarity. That is one of the greatest gifts that you can give. And a lot of times we, we, talk, we dance around it and it's like we're hedging our bets because what if she says no? And so we want to be, I very rarely like to ask a question that I don't already know the answer to, right? Anybody else there? You don't have to raise your hand. But going through, you use that talking to f- try to figure out, okay, like, is this going to work? Would they say yes? You, just kind of dancing around. And I would just want to speak against that a little bit. And it can create a lot of unnecessary, awkward movement. You're, you're going to roll a relational ankle or something like that. And so what I would encourage you to do is to be bold. Not creepy. Bold, Okay. <laughs> 
And so what, when we've talked about this before, it's something along the refreshing lines of this, okay? Um, instead of the, the guy just texting all the randoms sliding into the DMs, you know, different things like that, and going through and just, you know, showing up, doing this, that, deal. If a guy were to go up to a girl and to say something to the effect of, hey, so-and-so, um, I, I've really enjoyed uh, being around you and getting to know you more. And honestly, I would love to be able to do that uh, on, a, on a deeper level. I would love to take you to dinner. Um, could I take you out on a date this Friday? And a lot of times when we say it, and the girls are like, oh, please, Lord, you know, if somebody would just be that direct, you know, it would be so helpful. And now the thing about it is, you know, here's some offshoot questions, okay. Do you have to say yes? No. You know, some people have said that you owe a guy a yes if he's brave enough to ask. You don't, okay. But what I would encourage you to do is to be, like, if it is no, to be kind and to be respectful, and please do not talk about this brother behind his back. Otherwise, that will perpetuate the talking and the dancing around because he's trying to protect himself from that very thing that's happening. And so, get real? Okay, sorry. <laughs> so as we're going through, if we want the gift of clarity, then we need to respect that. And so I would encourage the guys, like especially, it, it, be tempered in this, okay? Because we've talked about dating with intentionality, dating with the end in mind, dating is evaluation for marriage. But y'all, let's relieve everyone of the expectation. Like, asking a girl on a date is not tantamount to asking her to marry you, okay? It is asking her to dinner, all right? To get to know her more. And girls, when he asks you on a date, he is not asking you to marry him. And I think sometimes that's where people get like, well, I really agonize over whether or not I need to do this. It's dating. Have fun. Go get to know the other person. Get more data to be able to make an informed decision, right? Or if you have enough to where you can already make an informed decision, then don't feel like, don't lead him on. And so I would just encourage everyone, like with this talking, I think we can cut through a lot of that with clarity and with the, with the guys being bold and with the girls being respectful. Amen. Um, so if you are dating and you're going along and you're trying to both honor the Lord and honor each other, but you reach the inevitable, you're both sinners and you reach a point of conflict. How do you handle conflict well? <laughs> We're so good at that. <laughs> I feel like we are though. Like it's, it's gotten better. Yeah. You learn. You learn. Um, a, a really helpful thing for us was when we were given the language of being an internal processor versus an external processor. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that. I'm not sure how scientific it is, actually, but it's helpful. And so this is not a sermon, so I can say it. Um, as we're going through, I am an external processor. I, if there is conflict, want to talk about it immediately, and I arrive at meaning as I am saying it. Kind of like Michael Scott, I sometimes begin a sentence and don't know where I'm going, but I figure it out along the way. Becca is an internal processor. You want to tell them a little bit of what that means? Because I don't get it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I just need to think about it for at least 24 hours. <laughs> um, 
honestly, it's just like, I want to make sure that I am being reasonable. Am I being upset about something that's really stupid? And if I am being reasonable, I like to formulate an argument. <laughs> and I just, I want to come to the conversation prepared. And a lot of times my emotions are just all over the place. Thoughts are all over the place. And I just, I can't figure out how to verbalize it. I need a moment. Um, so I feel like we've both gotten better at like meeting in the middle. Um, I think for a while, <laughs> when I get upset with someone, even though I'm, internally processing, Blake knows that I am mad. Like, it's very obvious. <laughs> and um, that would make him freak out. He's like, I know you're mad. Are you going to break up with me? What's happening? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know. Um, and so I had to learn, like, okay, he needs, he needs a little bit of conversation right at the start for me just to, like, reaffirm, like, I'm not going to break up with you. Um, I'm mad about this. I need to think about it some more and think about why that makes me mad. I would almost like give him a precursor to the conversation to come to just like let him know, still like you, we're good, I just need to think about it. <laughs> um, and so Blake, I'm sure, had to learn how to be patient. Yeah, it, it's, I think we both assumed the worst of each other in that sense. I thought she was harboring bitterness and she thought I was being hasty and careless with my words. And so I think once we both understood where each other was coming from, that helped us. For me to give her a little bit more space to be able to think about and to rightly order things that she would then present to me. And then for her to realize, I cannot live just with this tension. I've got to talk about it. And I don't want to triangulate and pull other people onto my team. I'd rather talk about it with you. And so we were able to kind of move towards each other rather than isolate. Because that's something that conflict can do, is that we will go off, we will polarize, we will isolate, and we will get people on our teams. Don't do that, Okay. It's the shadow side of being in community. And so I would just encourage you in working through conflict, being able, and just realize that sometimes you need outside voices to be able to help you see blind spots. Um, and so I mean, it's one of those things like counseling, whether it's premarital or, y'all, if you're considering marriage, like, don't think it's over with premarital counseling. Like, it is helpful and right and good to have a counselor that like you see individually, that you see together, that can help you to be able to walk through certain and inevitable conflicts that will arise in your marriage? Okay, this is um, a very good question. I want to know the answer to this question, but it, it is very deep. Um, if you are a person who struggles with mental health, is it possible for you to be in a healthy relationship with somebody? Yes, it is. Um, I think... Uh, I, I had a professor in seminary. I got issues. You got issues. All God's children got issues. Like, that's what they would say all the time. We said it. It was like a, a mantra for every class. It's, it's one of those things that every person that you could potentially be in a relationship will have some sort of struggle, uh, some sort of baggage, something that they're holding on to, something that they're shouldering, or something that is affecting them in a deep way. And for the person that is struggling with something with mental health and they're wondering, can I be in a healthy relationship? The answer is yes. Now, there will, be, will there be difficulties? Yes. There will be difficulties for anybody to be in a relationship. Now, if you're talking about at what point you disclose that to the other person or at what point, 
like what sort of responsibility or expectations would that have for a person in a dating or marriage relationship? That's a wisdom issue that we would have to talk about on a case-by-case basis. But I would want to be able to give hope for the person that is struggling with mental health. Like just a very short answer is yes. And because any committed relationship that seeks to honor the Lord is going to have to involve love and sacrifice in sickness and in health in all of its forms. Great, great answer. Um, so this is the softball question for y'all. Um, talk to us about long distance dating. Um, so we were dating before, I didn't get an iPhone until after we got married. So um, FaceTime was not an option. Skype. We Skyped. <laughs> The internet connection was terrible and saw a lot of grainy images of Blake. Um, But it's, I feel like, I'm trying to remember kind of like what our rhythm was. We talked every day. We talked every day, but we were very intentional not to text too much throughout the day just because we wanted to be fully present in the communities where we were, uh, fully engaged in our classes and in our churches, our you know, discipleship groups and everything, and with our roommates, even those sweet relationships. And and also because we found when you started texting constantly throughout the day, you had nothing to talk about at the end of the day when you got actually got in front of each other on Skype. And so, I mean, we would sometimes ping each other, be like, hey, remind me to tell you what my professor said or what my roommate did or something like that. But we would save everything for the end of the day. Yep. Um, yeah, I remember at times like having like little bullet points of like, talk to Blake about this, tell him about this funny story, such and such. So I'd like pull out my bullet point list and uh, go through it every Skype session. But um, yeah, we would talk every day on Skype and saw each other, like I said at the beginning, probably every two to three weeks uh, in person. Um, Oh, one thing I was going to say is that I feel like being long distance and missing each other so much, when you do finally come back together, it makes the, the physical boundaries even harder to, to set and to adhere to. And um, so we were, this sounds like the most unromantic thing ever, but in a way it was really sweet and romantic because it like showed me how much he genuinely cared about me and our relationship. And um, we would like seriously make itineraries for <laughs> when we would visit each other on the weekend. So like when he would come to Clemson, I would say, all right, Here's what we got on deck this afternoon. We're going to go on a hike on this trail, and then we're going to go hang out with this group of friends. And so it made it, you know, more difficult for us to get caught in a situation where we were more likely to be tempted. Um, and there's something else I was going to say with that. Oh, um, we were really intentional about, like, being private and public. So, of course, you still, this is an evaluation process, so that means you need to have some deep conversations one-on-one. Um, and so, but we didn't want to be like completely alone because that always led to bad places. And so we would go to Starbucks or we would go to a restaurant and we would have those deeper one-on-one conversations to, to be able to get to know each other better and, um, you know, have big conversations. Absolutely. We say distance is difficult, but it's doable. And, uh, we had read someone at some point talk about, like a word picture of a relationship being a small flame and distance being the wind. And sometimes distance can blow out the flame or it can fan it into an even larger one. And so for us, distance was one that accelerated 
because we were apart, we were connecting on an emotional level. We were talking all the time. I got to know her very well. And this is, if I could extend and redirect the question a bit, what makes a good date? Uh, not going to the movies. Uh, I love the movies. You can do that if you've been dating for a while. Um, but it's what I would say, what makes a good date is anything that you can share good food and good conversation. Good and, food first. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's because I think something happens over the dinner table. Uh, I think something happens with a meal. And honestly, you need something to do with your hands. Right? <laughs> it's just you, you need to be able to have something that you're doing. And then also something that you can be face-to-face and talking. When you're at a movie and you're shoulder-to-shoulder and you're just watching a screen, you're around each other, but you're not interacting. So anything that can create the space for good food and good conversation is very helpful. And figuring out ways to be able to do those things in public, it gives you more to be able to evaluate, okay? And so with that, like for us, whenever we did have our itineraries, figuring out ways to be private and public uh, is crucial. And then, you know, I would encourage, you know, not to lay down laws, but just to sh- help you walk in some well-worn paths. You've got to figure out that there is some time, like a threshold at night that it is not wise for you to be around the other person. And that you've got to stick to it. And so you've got to realize my inhibitions will be lowered when I am tired. I will not make the right, I will not make decisions that I would make at other normal wakeful hours. And so I would just encourage you to be disciplined in that. Yeah. Okay, we have like five minutes, sadly. Snap. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little rapid fire. Boom. Because okay. I have some good questions, but I but we'll we spin only back. have five minutes. Okay. Go. Internal processor. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. Okay. Let's go. So um, when you're thinking about someone's past, um, they've had some sin shame. Um, you're dating someone who's had sin shame, sin shame um, or some past that they're not proud of, or you yourself have a past that you're not proud of. Um, how do you work through that? I would say everybody has a past. And for you, knowing that Christ has said, Behold, I am making all things new. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I believe him when he says that. And so for people, you can talk and you can share. It's a part of your testimony. It's a part of your background. But very rarely will I hear of a couple when that is disclosed to someone about this is a part of my past. It is almost always, if you play conversational chess in your head, trying to anticipate what the other person is going to say before you actually say it. I always go worst case scenario. It's always going to be way worse than it actually is, right? I'm resonating with people, okay? And so we're going through, you can tell them, and they are probably not going to react in the way that you would anticipate. I would say it's, uh, it is a deal. It's not a big deal. Good. Okay, so um, how do we know if um, you love this person? And also, um, how do we know when we're ready to put a ring on it? These are rapid fire? Rapid fire. Okay. Could you, could you say it again real quick? How do we know when we're ready to, when, when we love someone? Like, how does, what does that feel like? And then also, how do you know whenever you um, are starting to have those thoughts of like, should I put a ring on it? I'll say really quickly, about the, the love word, right? 
I think some people are too hasty to say it. And you have to really talk about it or to know in what sense you mean that. And so for us, I told Becca, I was like, I'm not going to tell you this until I am, I feel like we have reached a level of where I'm ready to be at a deeper level of commitment. And so I know that I'm not going to say this flippantly or just because others expect because we've been together for so long for me to be able to say that. And so, of course, that led to a lot of like, I really, really like you, all that kind of stuff. My goodness, should have just said it. Uh, But going through, I would say, how do you know you love someone? Man, I mean, there's a reason why T-Swift and Adele and all these other people write all these songs. But you you just you, you try to capture it and you can only get a sense of it. I can't tell you just in general, in generalities, when you're ready to tell somebody that you love them. Uh, but I would say part of it and in going into it is like, how committed am I to this other person? And then how do you know when you're ready to put a ring on it? How do you know you're ready to be really committed? Right. Great. Great. Okay. Um, this is going to be our last question. Okay. Um, is it unwise to spend time praying for my future spouse? even if I know that God hasn't promised that I will have a future spouse? I love that question. Because it was Kara. <laughs> Kara texted me. Okay. That's right. I love this question because it showed they were paying attention last week, right? Because again, it's one of those things. If you weren't able to be with us last week, what we talked about with singleness is that a lot of times our baggage with God is because we have held him to promises that he does not make. And we think that he has broken them. And a lot of times, one of those things that we think God has promised us is that we will be married. I'm just gonna tell you, he has not promised you that. And so I think for a lot of times, if we try to hold God to promises he didn't make, it will just set us up for disappointment and just lots of frustration with the Lord. And so the question was, is it wrong to pray for my future spouse, even though I don't know if God has promised me one? Um, I would say no. I mean, I think that desiring that is is a good thing. And um, I think there are people who feel like even though they're in a a season of singleness, that it's something that they feel called to, like, that they would want if it presented itself. And so I don't think it's wrong to, to pray that God would provide that. And I don't think it's wrong to pray, um, I guess, for the Lord's um, protection of that person and, and growing of that person. I do think I would just assess how often I am praying for that and how, how often my mind is just dwelling on that because I could see it straying into... Um, fantasizing right right just an unhealthy idolatry of something so or you're creating something in your mind or uh, I, I i would i would totally agree yeah pray for this person but again you just have to think through how effective is it going to be for me to pray for an unknown person um and i mean i feel like there's a lot of known things that i have that i need to be in prayer for and so it's we kind of feel that as parents for our boys mm-hmm. and the Lord might gift Thomas or Will singleness, or both of them. I don't, we don't know what the Lord's plans are for them, but there are times that 
we pray sometimes for them, like if the Lord would give them a spouse, that the Lord would create Thomas and Will and help them to and help us to parent them in such a way that they would be young men that could lead and sacrifice and serve godly young women to be able to lead their families. And so I, I think it's, but we're not going through like with all this list of like characteristic, it, like we're kind of indirectly giving God a wish list of these kind of things. Uh, I think, you know, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That's what the word says. So Lord, if you have a wife for them, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. I think if we get too much into specifics, uh, we're kind of setting ourselves up for more frustration and disappointment. Yeah. Well, can I get a hand for these wonderful people? Well, Cole, could, could I leave? Can I just kind of conclude our time with the yeah. scripture? Yeah. Is um, we're going through, like, so much of what we're talking about, again, just it's in the area of wisdom. I would encourage you, if you're looking towards, yes, dating's not in the Bible, but the Bible does have a lot to say about evaluation. And so one of the things that I would encourage you to do is to try to read the book of Proverbs in one sitting. And so just go through with the book of Proverbs and just read it straight through. And uh, ask God for wisdom as you're doing this. And I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of things, you know, talking about uh, a man of kindness. I mean, not just to the end with Proverbs 31 woman or anything like that. But as you're going through with this disposition of Proverbs, it's a passage, maybe if you grew up in the church, you've memorized or you've heard in the culture somewhere else. But it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I, I think on a few levels, on your own understanding of other people and of your own understanding of yourself. Sometimes we think we know what we need or our parents might know what we need in terms of a list of characteristics for another person, but we don't know those things or we end up with a person different than what we expected or what we had down on paper. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and in all of your ways, in all of your ways, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. The Lord is not only interested in what you do with your Sunday mornings and with your Tuesday nights, or if you go to a village or this, that, or the other, or a small group or a Bible study, he's not just interested in the compartmentalized part of your life that is earmarked church. He wants you to acknowledge him in every arena of your life, romantic relationships not excluded. So I would just leave you with that. We would want to be able to pray that for you. Um, and so as we conclude our time together, uh, before Cole gives us announcements, uh, Beck and I would love to be able to pray over everybody, if that's okay. I, I know it's late, but this has been so so wonderful for us. But gracious Heavenly Father, I pray for these students, these young adults that are in here tonight. and. Pray that you would help them if they are walking with an unfulfilled desire right now and would they bring that to you? Would they allow it to drive them to you? And Father, if they are at the maybe beginning stages of a relationship, God, would you help them to walk in straight paths and with great clarity and understanding? God, would kindness and respect have the day? And Father, would you help us to live free from fear. And would your perfect love 
cast out fear. And Father, for those that maybe you're in dating relationships right now that are wondering if they should end, God, we pray that you would give that clarity, that you would help them as they're evaluating, and God, that you would help them to be able to make a decision that honors the other person, and they're not going to be able to bypass pain, but Father, would they be able to embrace the discomfort and so honor you. But God, for those that don't know, God, would you give wisdom? God, would you give grace? God, we do. We ask for wisdom. Um, We thank you that your word says um, that if we ask you for wisdom, you give generously. And so, God, we pray that you would do that Um, for each student and whatever season of life that they're in, um, with whatever plans that you have for them. Pray for wisdom. And even above that, we just pray for, um, for them being deeply rooted in you. God, would you be the fount of our joy? Um, would you work through us all in, in love? And Father, would we glorify you in everything that we say and do in all of our relationships because you are our first love. Kindle our affections for you, God. Satisfy us with your goodness. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Oxano podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.